Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Podcast. Hey, y'all. Today, we're so excited to have Whitney Oppenheisen on the Fools in Love podcast. Whitney is a certified intuitive relationship coach who focuses on helping people connect better to their intuition and providing them guidance and tools for making significant shifts and leaving their old patterns in order to live more authentically. She also co-hosts a podcast called The Messy Path, which focuses on personal development and relationships. Welcome, Whitney. Thanks. It's so good to be here and to be chatting with you both today. Absolutely. So we always start with our guests. Just just tell us a little bit about your journey, what's brought you to this point, and then you know, just give them a little background of where you're coming from. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I have always been into self-development in some way, shape, or form. And then it kind of exploded in college, you know, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life and all that good stuff. And then it wasn't until 2016 that my life really pivoted. So I ended a long-term relationship with a person I was engaged to and um, really kind of realized where I was in life was not fulfilling for me. So that relationship wasn't supporting me in the ways that I realized I needed. And I was working in corporate marketing at the time and that just was not something that was fulfilling to me. I had done my whole career in marketing and agency and kind of bouncing all over the place and realized in 2016, like some big changes need to happen. So That relationship ended and that was kind of the start of it. And then about a year and a half later, I had the opportunity to move out to my favorite place in the world, which is Jackson Hole, Wyoming, a place that I had spent a lot of time in growing up and got my childhood dream job working for this summer camp that I went to um, as their nonprofit or yeah, nonprofit development director. And it really just kind of snowballed from there. During that whole time, I started like falling in love with the act of coaching. So I had worked with some life coaches before and I really decided that was it. Like that was my calling was being able to share my story and how I navigated through negative relationship patterns with other people and sharing some of the tools that I had used successfully. So about a year and a half ago, I started being open and I now work with uh, women mostly uh, changing their approach to relationships and also their approach to connecting with themselves and really using intuition to guide them. So it's, it's been a wild ride, but a lot of fun. I love that. I am so happy for the way that you found yourself and how that all played out for you. That's a really cool story. And I wanted to touch base with you real quick before we get moving. What do you consider intuition? Like you said, getting in touch with your intuition, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for the people, the women that you're coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So your intuition is that like tiny little voice in your gut, in your heart that is trying to guide you. And more often than not, we only really hear it when we're in like really big, oh crap situations. You know, it's kind of that big push, like you need to go now, but we can actually access it every day to to make any kind of choice that we want. So I really love developing mindfulness practices for my clients to help them understand that inner voice. That's another term I think that's used quite broadly to describe it, but it's, it either comes to you in the form of like a feeling, or you might hear a voice in your head that doesn't sound like your own inner monologue. You might just kind of sense that like something needs to happen 
I have some clients that really do feel it in their gut. Like they, you know, their stomach kind of turns when they know it's not a good decision or they feel like that excited leap, like you're on a roller coaster when you know it is a good decision. So yeah, it kind of, it means different things to different folks, but that's, that's how I translate what intuition is. Right. And that's exactly where my mind went. It's like that gut feeling, like the times where we always do things where even if you make the wrong choice, like you usually know like what you're doing in the moment and then you kind of just ride that wave (laughs) either way, but you can get that sense that you're either going in the right direction or you're forcing something, you know, it's not coming easily. I did, I did want to ask, like you said, you were in that negative relationship. That's kind of what led to your realization to kind of go down this path. Mm -hmm. So what was it in your particular relationship if you don't mind speaking to that, like what was it that kind of led you to the place where you knew it just wasn't a healthy place to be like a healthy environment? Absolutely. So there were several factors, you know, it's never really just one thing in relationships, but one of them was I realized I was unable to be all of who I was as a person with them and feel that respect and that connection. And that got to a point where I really felt like I was just living as like a shell of myself Um, And they also had some struggles with addiction and mental health issues that I tried my best to to be there and to support them. And then also in doing that work, was in therapy myself and realized that I was struggling with codependency. So that really kind of opened the door for me to say, okay, I can be here and support loved ones. And I need to have boundaries around that. And I had never had boundaries before in my life. So then when I started enacting those boundaries, my ex did not respond positively to me saying like, I can't do this for you. Like I can't hold all the emotional burden in our relationship. And it got to the point too, where he, you know, he just, he wasn't taking care of himself. And I realized I really needed somebody who could do this work with me and who I wouldn't be metaphorically or ended up literally dragging him up a mountain. Like that was when I had this aha was climbing this mountain for my 30th birthday. And he, he literally couldn't make it up it. And I was like, okay, this is, This is something where I want a partner that can do the hard stuff with me um, and I don't have to necessarily always motivate. So, yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like with that, you got just, we're getting more clear on really what you needed as a person. And I think that's easier said than done, but it sounds like you got to that place. I know so many of us struggle with understanding what you really need or what you really want. And even if you have that pull, you're like, what do I even do with this? And, and, and like you said, you were in that particular relationship, but it could be a relationship. It could be a job. Mm -hmm. Who knows what it could be? fill in the blank. And we kind of get stuck with knowing what our needs and wants are. I know that's one of the things you help people with. Could you talk a little to that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So that that relationship and that whole period of my life really cemented this thing that I now use with all my clients called defining your needs, wants, and desires or mapping your needs, wants, and desires. And when you're running through life, so often your needs and your wants and desires, so I'll kind of define those for you, they they get defined by other people in external circumstances. It's like, well, I graduated college, so now I need to find that really great job. And I've graduated college and I want to find that really good partner or I want this new car or you know, whatever. But it's often externally motivated as opposed to being something you personally truly want that will fulfill you. So as I was doing this work on myself, I started to define those three words differently. Needs for me are soul level, like they are the things that you want to have in your life that really define who you are and define the journey that you're on in this life. So one of my needs is I 
need to be consistently working on my spiritual and personal growth. Like that's something for me that I know when I fall off of that, I end up not feeling as fulfilled. Like I always like to keep learning and pushing myself and trying to define better what it is I'm trying to get out of life. Um, So that's a need for me is just continued spiritual and personal growth. Also a need is being able to live in the place that I live. Like it really is the place where I feel so happy and like my heart's just on fire being out here, being able to walk out my front door and go for a hike or, um, you know, go on the river or do any sort of kind of outdoorsy activity. I missed that deeply when I was living in Chicago, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And instead I started filling myself with like going out to too many concerts and, you know, going out to dinner every night and trying to find that happiness elsewhere. And it turns out for me, that happiness is just in the woods. So then those are, those are the needs, your real soul. Like it has to be there in your life and present and it's relatively non-negotiable. And then your wants are based on the phase of life that you're in. So the things that you want when you're just outside of college or just after college are, you know, building stability, maybe building new relationships, building your career where, you know, if you fast forward to like your late thirties, early forties, your wants are going to be different. It's going to be maybe more family centric or maybe more personal development centric. So those kind of fluctuate, I would say on like a five-year kind of schedule, like as you're growing, your wants are going to, to shift a little bit. And then your desires are like the cherry on top. So these are like super fun things that I think a lot of us end up getting distracted by. These are like going to see a concert of like a favorite musician or going on some adventurous trip, you know, like it's, it's this thing that's like a real burning desire for you for a little bit. And then once it's fulfilled, it's generally like, okay, I could move on to the next thing. But more often than not, they're kind of the things that your ego is like really excited about. Like you want to be able to take the really cool pictures at that like cliff overlooking the ocean or whatever. And you get totally motivated by that as opposed to what is it that's really going to define me and like make me feel better. I think an example of how desire can kind of play in career is a lot of us desire a specific title. You know, you want to like have that director title or a manager title or something and you go chasing it and then you get it and you're like, oh, okay, I'm still just me. And this didn't really change anything. (laughs) So those are kind of my definitions for those three words and something that I walk through all my clients with to gain clarity. That is super cool. I have never heard those defined like that. And I love that. I'm totally going to steal that and (laughs) try to write down my own needs, wants, and desires. Yeah. No, but okay. So that being said, do you have people that come to you that just don't even know how to determine that? And how do you guide them through that? Like if they are just like, I, that's great. I hear what you're saying, but where do, how do I get there? Absolutely. Um, That is something I think a lot of people struggle with because you are so inundated by all these other influences. We were like, I don't even know. Like, I love that they just bought a new house, but do I really want a new house? Like, do I want to live by the ocean? Everybody seems to love the ocean right now. You know, you get really conflicted because you see all of these external like examples of what other people are doing. And in the age of Instagram, where it looks like everybody's always having their best day ever, it can be really disheartening when you don't have any clarity on like what your best day ever would be. So what I like to do with my clients is this exercise that I call the white box, which is you kind of do a little meditation and I'll walk them through it generally where you park everything at this door, like all the drama about your job, all the drama about relationships, other things that you're feeling unfulfilled in or like you aren't enough to be to deserve you park all of that outside of the store and you walk into the door and that is just a big white room 
And it's just the space where nothing happens. Like there are no consequences, positive or negative. And you're just in a space where you get to create what feels best for you. And so I'll spend maybe like 10 or 15 minutes with them in this white box. And we'll just talk about what would feel aligning and exciting for you in this phase of your life, like as you are standing here today. And that generally helps get their wheels rolling a little bit more because we're not worried about outside influences. We're not worried about, you know, you just had a bad interview or your boss is angry at you about something or your spouse just got in an argument. Like you're just parking all of that reality so that you can anchor in what you really want to create. And I find that that exercise really helps people kind of detach from all of their assumptions about what they can and can't have, and then gain clarity on what is it that I really want to create? Like, what's the feeling word that I want to have? And we start with feeling words because so often your mind gets hooked on real descriptors or like, I want that car or that job or to have a house in that neighborhood. Well, what would it feel like to have those things? So we really start at that base level and that helps them then gain clarity. Yeah, that's amazing too, because you sit there and most of the time, like you said, you come in and you're like, okay, so you're starting to talk about my needs, wants, and desires. So then, but then you constantly are pulled back to the past or like mm-hmm. who you are currently. And one of the things I've been working on is like the person I am currently is not who I'm going to be in the future. So mm-hmm. you have to think outside the box. So I like that idea of the white box because you walk into that room and there's no, there is no past. I mean, you could think toward the future, but I mean, it's, it's an empty room. You could just start from square one because mm-hmm. we always tell our audience, you can start being a different person today. You can yeah. change your habits today. You can do whatever it is that you want to do to like set your heart on fire today. You do not have to wait for like some defined moment to do that. So I just love that whole idea. Absolutely. And I think when you can anchor in that reality of like, oh, I can start feeling accomplished today. Like it totally changes your mindset because you realize that those feelings aren't contingent on having completed something. You can allow yourself to feel that kind of success and fulfillment today. And then it helps you to reach those goals and those other things that you're really looking for in life. Yeah. And so for people, I know you'd said we we just, so we get to this, we can get to the idea of like this, this empty room. And we can kind of visualize feelings and things. Are there certain questions that people can ask themselves? Because I know like when I was on my own journey, there was some big defining questions that I felt like I needed to answer before I could even move forward in any kind of direction. Absolutely. I think one of my favorite questions to ask people is what brings you joy? Like what makes you feel like a six-year-old on Christmas morning? Because whatever that is, that's what you need to add more into your life. You know, and it could be physical exercise, it could be traveling, you know, it could be reading, whatever those activities or things are, then you find a way to build that into your life and to make it something that is sustainable for you. Um, And then another big, big question is, what do I truly want in life? And when I ask this question to clients, I'll say, you, you can't say a job title, you can't say having like a person in my life. It's it's got to be something bigger than that because that's actually what your intuition and your your heart of hearts is actually looking for. You're not really looking for like the perfect spouse. You're looking for somebody to share life with. And what would that look and feel like? You know, you might be looking for a specific job title, but what would that job title actually mean to you? Does it mean you're helping people? Does it mean you're creating new things? Like those deeper realizations are what will then drive you to, to understanding your needs, wants, and desires better. 
Awesome. Yeah. As, as you were saying that, I was just thinking like for me, the answer for the job is freedom. Like the title, not so much. It's just the freedom to do what I want to be doing and yeah. obviously helping people along the way. But but seriously, like those two things are just so powerful, like not not being stuck in somebody else's schedule for what I want to do and then being able to help people in the way that I choose, not because somebody else is telling me exactly how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And like by by knowing that like one word that becomes your thesis statement. Like does this bring me freedom in my career? No. Okay, we're not doing it. And then that becomes this really cool like north star that you get to follow. Because if it's a no to your needs, wants and desires, then it doesn't need to be in your life. And it absolutely. it also is something you can lean on. You know, a lot of people I think have a hard time just doing that themselves like claiming like I want to do this. But when you have the excuse like, "Oh, sorry, like the boss won't let me, you know, that kind of a thing. You can use your needs, wants, and desires as that boss. Like, sorry, it doesn't line up. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right. So what happens when people are trying to deal with their past? Like when the past gets in the way and it's affecting how they want to be as a person in the future, how do you kind of guide them through that process? And what kind of advice would you give somebody that's going through that? I can't get out of my past to be my best self in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. This happens all the time. I think we're all, to an extent, kind of slaves of our past, and it's about bringing awareness to the aspects of our past that don't connect with who we are or who we want to become anymore. So one of my biggest tools is realize what the story is for you. So I'll have my clients like write down what's the story that means that you can't get that job or that you never pick the right partner you know, cause that, those are really ingrained stories that a lot of people have. So write that story down and then try to figure out where that story came from. So was it something that happened early on? Like maybe your parents told you, well, you've never been good at math. So you struggle with that aspect of your career, or maybe you want to go into that field, but you don't feel confident in it. That story was given to you by your parents. It's not something that actually has to be true anymore. So then you get to say, okay, if that story is not true, what story can be true for me? Maybe it's I'm getting better at fill in the blank. I'm becoming better at balancing my budget or you know whatever that thing is that's tied to that old story. Or if it's a story of unworthiness, like I'm not worthy of the type of person I want to be with. Okay, why? Why aren't you worthy of that? What attributes do you have that you believe make you unworthy? And when you start pulling away at those truths that you're you're living from your past like you can say okay wow that really that's just built on a thought that's not really something that is true in this moment to who i am i think another aspect of stories that people get really hung up on is thinking that because it happened that way in the past it's destined to happen that way in the future when really like yeah it happened that way like maybe you had a a bad heartbreak or you you know, fell off the wagon in training for a 5k or something like that, or you've only been able to lose weight only to gain it right back. Like that kind of thing. Yes, that's happened, but those were truths and stories that you were telling yourself in that moment, probably to teach yourself a lesson. Have you learned that lesson? What was that lesson for you? And now you get to live with the knowledge of that experience as opposed to being destined to repeat that experience over and over again. So I think that's it it comes up for all of us. Like I even still struggle with old stories, you know, and it's just about bringing awareness to it. Like this is a story that no longer serves me. I don't want to be defined by this anymore. So what's my new definition? What's my new story? 
And your brain will pick up a new story because it loves predictability. So if you start training it on a new story, it'll, it'll say like, okay, yeah, I'm more comfortable here now. We can leave that old story. But what your brain is always looking for is that easy thing to, to like glom onto. And I think that's why it's so easy to always get pulled back into the past because mm-hmm. you just constantly, we always talk about going back on autopilot, but like you go back to what seemed easier, even though it may have been terrible for you or a terrible environment or whatever, you cling to it because it's familiar, mm-hmm. but it's not really serving you at all because it's not helping you be. And, and it's the difference I'm starting to learn to make between your past and future self. There's a big difference. I think people also get stuck in this idea of well, that's the past me. I want to get to the future, but then they keep clinging to the same relationships, the same people, the same friend group, the same mm-hmm. job. They they don't make any changes, but then they want to get a different result. Yep. I think that's something you can get stuck on too. And I love the thing you said. I've been reading a book by Benjamin Hardy called Personality Isn't Permanent. Have you okay. read that? I haven't. No, it sounds great okay. though. So it's a great book, but it speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Like your personality is not fixed. You can change, like you said, you can change that attitude today. You can move toward to be a new person. And it takes all those things, like, because I think a lot of times right now we get stuck on all these personality tests, the quizzes, the things, Mm -hmm. the Enneagram, name whatever one you want. And then it's like, but it puts you in a box. And then Mm -hmm. if you don't meet all those things, then where can you be? You know, like, where, where do you kind of measure up? But I love the idea of what you said because it allows you to say, my personality is not permanent. I can change it. And just because I wasn't good at this now doesn't mean my future self also has to not be good at this. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's it's really powerful when you understand that you can start changing the way that you show up in any given aspect of your life. Yeah. Um, it's it's a cool shift um, to have happen. I'll have to like ask you for that book again, because that that sounds right up my alley. One of the books that got me to this place was uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. So he's a neurologist and has done amazing work just with mindfulness and shifting behavior patterns. And it's a really, really cool book where he walks you through like the neurology of your own brain and why you have the habits you do and why you have the beliefs you do. And then you go on this like month long journey of a really long meditation with him where you build like 10 minutes a week on it. Um, so if if you're into meditation at all, if you're into changing stories, that's a great option too. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And you touched on it briefly there too, but you said you struggle as well with bringing in these new things. Like it, you know, it might've been in the past, but you're kind of bringing those attitudes, beliefs, and feelings into new things. And I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about, because I think a lot of times in relationships, like you talked about your past and your relationship, me and Megan have had struggles in our relationship in the past. And there's certain things that when they come up, then it triggers you to go back to a place. I know for me personally, I struggle with it a lot where it could be something as simple as like, you know, hearing a song, seeing a movie, seeing a date on the Mm -hmm. calendar. And it like triggers my brain back to something negative. So what do you think is like that biggest obstacle to getting past those those triggers that are inevitably going to come up? Because like you said, even with your struggle, I'm sure there's things that could trigger you back to that time. And then how don't you, how do you stop that from affecting you and your current self? Absolutely. This is, this is such a huge question um, because we all struggle with it. And I think it, the biggest thing that you can do is have awareness about it. So if you can start listening to your thoughts objectively, as opposed to like listening to them as truth, 
you can have just that little bit of like millisecond separation from, oh my gosh, I'm being triggered. That song just came on and it's reminding me of whatever to, oh, okay, that song's playing. That song doesn't have meaning in and of itself. I've assigned it a meaning. And then you can totally disempower a trigger when you realize, okay, that's happened. Thank you for reminding me of my past. And I'm choosing not to react in the way that I used to. So it really starts with just the awareness. So as you're moving through life and a trigger pops up, like, you know, you never really know when they pop up, they could come up every day. It could be once every six months, but just by having awareness, you've won. So I think that's like the first big step. If you're experiencing triggers in any part of your life that are bringing you back to a a way of being, you don't want to be anymore. Just have the awareness of it. Like, okay, that triggered me. And it doesn't mean you have to change from that trigger right then. Just start with the awareness and then you can start building and how do I want to react in this situation as opposed to how am I habituated to react? Right. And I've, I've honestly learned recently, but I was like unknowingly doing it. But what I was doing is like when I've been triggered to something in the past, then I've done what you've said. I've kind of stopped. I've become aware of it. And then I've kind of triggered again to a more positive response Cool. and think about the positive things like that. That is like you said, that's not your past. This is where you currently are and all the positive things, positive, positive, positive. And like your brain grabs onto that and it kicks yeah. the other aside. It's when you start feeding that negativity that it becomes just a beast in your head and you then it becomes much harder to shake. Yeah. And that was one of my questions for you too. Like the people that are finding themselves in this place where they're they're getting triggered with these negative thoughts, like what if, if they don't deal with that, mm-hmm. like what what can that what effect can that have? For everything else in their life. Yeah. If you aren't bringing awareness and shifting your behavior patterns around it, like even if it's being triggered and just going to an affirmation, like that's no longer my truth or something like that, um, you're doomed to repeat it in a lot of ways until something else happens that might like build a trigger on a trigger, which is essentially what you're doing with the positive reframing when you are triggered is you're just building a new trigger, which is great when you're aware of it. But when you're not, you're just going to be living in this loop because what happens is there's an aspect of your brain called the default mode network. And this is really the thing that saved us when we were like cave people because it taught us like red berries equal death, like don't eat the red berries, you know, or when it gets cold, we need to like stock up on food. You know, these are all really good assumptions that our brain started living with. But now we live in a much different world than we used to. And our brain now makes those same assumptions about people, about words being used, about tone of voice, about, you know, what it looks like when the boss like pulls up really fast into his parking spot and like huffs into the office. You're like, oh crap, like something bad's going on. And so your brain is constantly trying to make those associations to save you because it saves you time to say like X equals Y immediately, as opposed to observing X, watching it play out, and then you get to Y. So if you can slow down that network in your brain and start reframing it to not be so like, I think of it as like a a racetrack, you know, like the dirt is just really ground down in that circle. So what can you do to like veer your horse off that track and like go on a trail ride instead through the woods? Like it's not going to hurt you. Just try to get out of that looped thought pattern. And really the first thing is just bringing awareness to it. Cause when, when you don't, you are just going to repeat those stories. That's kind of, you know, it's like groundhog's day. Just going to wake up and do the same thing. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about just doing the same thing over and over. (laughs) I would never. (laughs) Right. It's such a unique thing. (laughs) (laughs) But how important is our mindset when we start to try to better ourselves? Like, is that the ticket? Is that the number one thing when we're trying to improve and rehaul, reset our whole entire relationship, our whole entire lives, whatever we're doing, the job, the, the thing? Yeah, absolutely. Our mindset is number one, like mindset and taking care of yourself, I think are tied for, for number one, when you're really trying to, to change something or to make um, shifts in your life. I was just talking with uh, a group of women that I'm coaching right now last night about black and white thinking, because I think that's one big mindset trigger that um, really can stall out the personal growth that you're looking for, which is, you know, I'm starting this new thing. I'm starting a new habit of, you know, taking a walk every morning. And then it's like the first cold morning and you don't do it. And you're like, okay, well, I'm just not going to do this now because I missed one day. So I might as well just never try again. Um, and if you can bring awareness to that and instead say, no self, great job. You did this four days in a row. Taking one day off is not defeating all the work that you did the past four days. How about you just get up, put some long johns on the next morning and go out regardless, like you're going to do this. So finding a way to build in a little cheerleader into your mindset and to build affirmations are something that I really lean on because it helps you shift your mindset. So you might have that negative thought that's like always in your head, like I'm a failure or my boss doesn't like me, or it's hard for me to connect with my significant other, you know, whatever that might be build a reverse affirmation on that negative thing. So instead of it's hard for me to connect with my spouse, it could be my spouse and I find new ways to connect with each other. And so when you go into that old repeating habit and thought in that negative mindset, you then have that affirmation as like your life vest, like, okay, I'm just going to hold on to this and like move through it. But really, yeah, your mindset's absolutely key. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful in the time and space that we're living in right now. Like we were just having a conversation either today or the day before just about 2020 as a whole and like what an effect it has had on literally every person listening to this. Mm -hmm. And that when you said that, when you said living in that space where like you're constantly going to go back to like the negative or you could reframe, you can reposition, you can say, this is one day, whatever. But I think 2020 has really thrown a loop into that. And so like, can you speak to then how do we not make next year? I know like all of us are talking about, well, I just can't wait for it to get to 2021. It's like, (laughs) but we do all understand that when the clock ticks at midnight, like that doesn't just all of a sudden snap and everything changed. So how do we make sure we're showing up the right way going into this new year, going into this holiday season and everything else? Absolutely. This is, I'm actually running a course right now on this exact subject because it's so powerful and really it all relies on your mindset and what it is you actually want to create in 2021. I think everybody's looking forward to it and, and like kind of holding our breath saying like, I hope I can do these things that I want to do, but then not necessarily doing the mindset work and the preparation of the why that you want to do those things. So inevitably when some aspect of it might get derailed. Like I think 2020 taught us all that like almost anything can get derailed and it probably will. (laughs) Um, So how do you react to that? And that's really what I think folks need to zoom in on right now is what is the why behind the stuff I want to create, achieve, have, 
because when you understand that why, you'll find alternate roads to it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just simply will. And it, it might not look at all like what you thought you were going to create this year, but you can still do that and honor that actual desire that you're having, that actual need that you're having, as opposed to saying like, no, this is what I want. I want it to be a promotion and it has to look like this. And, you know, this is, this is what I want to happen only to find out that, you know, like your budget was cut and your, your boss can't promote you or whatever. So what did you really want out of that promotion? Was it more responsibility? Was it more learning opportunities? How can you then set yourself up for that in your life? Do you take on a mentor or a mentee? You know, do you go and do some additional learnings like on your own time? Like there are alternate ways to get there. And I think understanding what you really want and then setting your mindset accordingly gets you there as opposed to just, again, being stuck on like the surface level thing. Right. Gosh. And that's so powerful too, because like when you talk about the why it's like most people don't think about the obstacles that they're going to face. And if perfection's the standard, you're always going to fail. And so like, you have to know that like, you might need to take a pivot here or there to get to that space. Like I always think about like a maze, you still got to like work your way through it. And life is like a maze. You're working Mm -hmm. your way through it and it might not be the direction you thought initially. (laughs) And and then you, but eventually if you want to get there, you're going to have to go through some things in order to do it. But we need to be realistic about that too. Absolutely. And I think that's the other thing that I hope people are taking away from 2020 is it doesn't look the same for all of us. And we're all we all need to hold the positive and negative experiences that we've had in our lives and be way more gentle with ourselves cuz like we're all just trying this thing called life on like it it's like okay I'm here and I think this is what I want to do but I'm not really sure and like I'm going to give it a whirl you know and that's that's all you can do and I hope that we can also take perfectionism and start to like punch way more holes in it because that's the thing that holds a lot of us back like done is better than perfect so like, get it done. If it has a typo, whatever, you can always revise it. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I just want to say thank you so, so much for coming on today. And before we let you go, we did want to have you just take a second to let people know how to find you, where you're at, where you like to be, and just kind of give people the sign off before we go. Sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for having me. This was such a fun chat and it's, yeah, it's always nice to connect with folks that love doing the work and, you know, have their own unique approach to it. Folks can find me at beingopen.com and that's with two P's. And then I'm also on Instagram at wit underscore being open again with two P's and then on Facebook uh, being open. Instagram is probably where I'm hanging out the most. And then I also have an email list that you can sign up for through my Instagram or my website. And right now I actually have free um, 30 days of journal prompts to help get more in touch with your intuition, which is a fun new thing that I just created for the holidays and kind of the, the winter mellow season and reflective season that we're coming into. So if you're looking for a way to do some personal growth, I think journaling's a great option. Beautiful. And thank you so much for being here. We'll make sure to put all that information in the show notes as well if you didn't catch it here. And so look there. And uh, thanks so much for being here. Great. Thank you both. Hey, B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love Podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear.